Good morning. I'm glad that you're in an air-conditioned building and we're not doing worship outside today. It melt away. Um, we're in the book of Philippians. Uh, we're in chapter 3 now. We're just kind of walking through the different chapters uh, during this month of June. And I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 12 through uh, the end of the chapter 21. It says, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. So verse 12, which I just read, it starts out with Paul saying, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. What is it that Paul is saying he has not already obtained? What is it that he's pressing on towards? What is the ultimate end goal for Paul? To understand this a little bit, you just back up a little bit in chapter 3 before we get to 12. And he says that I may know him, that is Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this. And so, what is it that Paul is striving towards? Well, this is interesting. This is meant to be an encouraging letter to the followers in the church of Philippi. And he says he's striving towards the resurrection from the dead... And he hopes and prays that he'll know about the power of this resurrection and share in the sufferings of Jesus. Amen. How many of you are ready to share in suffering together this morning? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Paul is sort of acknowledging, recognizing that there's something greater for him coming, but really the only way to fully experience everything that God promises will happen when we go by the way that Jesus went. We, we pass through death into new life, and we're given glorious new life and resurrection. That is what Paul has not obtained, but is anticipating it, obtaining in verse 16, he says to us that we should only hold true to what we have already attained. That is, in Christ, we already have this promise. Like, there's nothing we have to do. We just have to press onward. We have to keep moving forward in a way 
that we understand what Christ is doing in our life. And this is important because I think the temptation for a lot of people, especially in our culture, is that we just want to check the boxes, we want to work harder, we want to strive faster, because that's how we're going to obtain what we want, right? If you just wear yourself out trying to do everything perfectly, and then maybe you'll finally be perfect. What Paul is basically saying is, you've attained perfection in Christ, now all you have to do is die. Like, you just follow Jesus, and, and it will work itself out in the end. But there's lots of stumbling blocks to this. There's lots of challenges to this, because he tells us we should press on to make it our own. We should press on toward the goal for the prize. But that, not, that does not fully happen until the end. But even as we go, there are challenges. You know, what Paul says to us, he says, forget what is behind and look forward and press on to what is ahead. And this makes sense, right? Like if you're, I'm not, I'm not a stellar athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but here's what I know. Like if I go run, if I'm running from a lion, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is keep looking behind me to see if he's catching up. Because what happens every time I look behind I slow down, right? Or I trip over something. And so there's this sense that Paul is saying, like, we can't just keep looking back, and, and we have to keep looking forward to the promise that we have in Christ. And to look forward in the promise that we have in Christ takes trust, and it takes faith. Because the second we don't trust, and we don't have faith, we look at other things. And we stop focusing on Jesus. And so what are some of those things that, that we keep turning back and looking on? Well, one of the things that keeps us from looking forward in Christ is our past successes, actually. Like we, we rest because we think we've already achieved. You peak too soon, maybe, right? I mean, think about that. Like how in the real world would it work this way? Like if you got a new job and you wanted to kill it, like you wanted everyone to know how awesome you were. And so for the first like 12 months of that job, you did everything perfectly, you followed all the rules, you went above and beyond, you showed up five minutes early, stayed five minutes late, and you put in all this work and everyone thinks you're amazing. And then after that, man, I worked hard, I'm tired, I'm gonna go ahead and, you know, I worked harder than everyone else did this last year, so I'm gonna throttle it down and uh, kick back a little bit this second year and let the other people who don't work as hard as I have pick up the slack. How's that going to go, do you think? Like, do you think when you get called into your boss's office, you're going to be able to tell your boss, you know, honestly, I know I'm not really doing my job right now, but I really did it last year really well. Right? Have any of you ever worked with anyone like this before? Yeah. I do too. Anthony, every week. Like... He finished his first year and he's throttling down. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But it's hard. It's hard, right? But we, we do think this way. Or, or maybe you're coming to the end of your job and, you know, maybe you're going to retire. Maybe you know you're going to switch jobs or something. And kind of the same thing. It's like, you, oh, I did good, but I don't have to do now because I don't, I, don't, I don't have to. Like, I'm just going to make it as simple for me as possible. 
So what about this? Like, this happens in the church world too. You hear stories about churches that fall apart. Like, okay, as a pastor, I've had five wonderful years of ministry, so this year I can steal a million, million dollars from you, embezzle a million dollars, right? I mean, no big deal. I was faithful the previous five years. No? Was that from somebody from church council, probably? But I mean, why not? But I mean, it sounds ridiculous, right? But a lot of times that's what we do sometimes with faith. We, we, we do the thing, maybe it's confirmation, and then we're done. I mean, at this church, we believe baptism saves because baptism gives you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit creates faith. It's a faithful following of Christ. And so people show up, they get baptized, and then they, they go away because they did the thing. That's resting on past successes and not pressing on towards the goal. Like the benefits of confirmation, the benefits of baptism, they're received in faith. That's active faith. That's pressing on towards what you've already attained in Christ. It's not saying it's not easy, or it's not saying it is easy. It's not saying there's never any doubts or struggles, but you can't just rest until the very end. Looking behind instead of pressing on also sometimes isn't just about past successes. It's about past failures as well. This is another thing that keeps us from following Christ, trusting him. Because we actually have to have faith and trust and believe that we have already attained this in Christ or it's hard to keep pressing forward. If we don't actually believe, if you do not actually believe you're forgiven, if you do not actually believe that in Christ you have resurrection, it's hard to keep pressing on towards the goal. I mean, how many of you have a shame problem, like past guilts or shame? I mean, I have these sudden flashbacks. I know we don't participate in this service. That's okay. I know you do, right? Like, every now and then I have, I have flashbacks. I'm not lying. Like, I'll remember something I did in first grade. Well, third grade. I'll let Anthony have first grade. A third grade. And I'll think about the kid I didn't invite to a birthday party. True story. Like, I remember it vividly. And then finding out and feeling guilty over it. I remember making fun of a girl who used to wet her pants accidentally. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, what is that? You know, sometimes guilt and shame keep us from faithfully following Christ. It, because it wears on us, it gets easier to move away from it. The, the previous congregation I served at, um, I did the young adult group ministry there, and there was a kid in the group that was part of, he played football for TCU. He lived in the same apartment complex as my wife and I when we first got married, and we got to know him. He started coming to all the groups and started coming to church, and everyone loved him because, of course, he played football for TCU and all this stuff, and, and we were just pouring into him, and we were having a great time, and then about six months in, all of a sudden, he just disappears. I mean, do you know how frustrating it is as a pastor when you, like, connect with people and pour into people, and, and then they just, like, ghost you? 
I finally reconnected with him and, and, and basically it was his past failures that were getting in the way because he said when he'd come to church and he would, you know, we'd read scripture about what it means to be faithful or we would talk about things in Bible study, it actually made him feel so much guilt and shame that he stepped away altogether. Because instead of seeing it as like a way to form or something to strive towards, it pulled him back into his past and he just felt so much guilt and shame that he walked away. And so sometimes it's that lack of trust that keeps us stuck because we don't believe or have faith. And so it becomes a challenge. It becomes hard to press on towards the goal of that prize. And this is what Paul's acknowledging in chapter 3. In verse 18, he says, Many, many walk as enemies of the cross. And those enemies of the cross are, are guilt and shame or power or money or glory or striving for perfection. There's so many things that end up getting in the way of us really just focusing on what Christ has attained for us and just faithfully following him. And this is why he tells us to be on the lookout for him. And he, and he tells the church in Philippi, and he's telling us right after that verse, he says that our citizenship is in heaven. And I think this is important because I think this is why sometimes, at least I feel conflicted. Because my soul yearns for what I'm striving for, and yet I live in a crazy, broken world. And so they say we're like resident aliens. That is, you're, you live as a foreigner in a foreign land. This culture, this air that we breathe, is not what we have our citizenship in. And so it feels strange and awkward and hard to navigate sometimes. Because, like, why do we live in a world where there are school shootings or countries taking over other countries for a piece of land or families that are breaking apart over shenanigans? Like it's just, there's, you, you want more, you feel there's more, and yet you live in this foreign country, so to speak, this broken place. And this is why Paul's encouraging the church. Like we can't keep looking behind us and we, we can't see ourselves as overly identifying with all the the crazy, we have to keep pressing on towards the goal and moving forward to what we've already attained in Christ, which is resurrection. It's new life. And that's how he ends this section. He says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables even him to subject all things to himself. That is, in the power of Christ, everything will be transformed. Everything will be subject to Jesus. Do not be afraid, but be at peace, because Christ has won. And all we do, all we have to do, I know this sounds super simple, but it is. 
It's like being a child. Just trust and do what he says. Because he's got us. And he has overcome. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.